0: I have a shelf in my office that where I keep mementos, different things that I've gathered over the years that each one of those mementos represents a story. And each of those stories is an encouragement and a challenge to my faith. It propels me forward by forcing me to ask hard questions by encouraging me by reminding me of things that really do matter, because like all of you, I get distracted so easily. Like all of you, I get drawn into things that ultimately don't matter. Well, I, on that shelf, I have a silver dollar. Now, those of you in the balcony, those of you online probably can't see this, but trust me, it's in my hands. Right front row, it's here. It is a silver dollar. Let me tell you the story behind this silver dollar. I was at Starbucks meeting with somebody, and and Melissa Swart and her nine-year-old son, Nate, were driving by. They saw me, they stopped. They had come from the bank, there's a bank right there, where apparently Nate had opened his first bank account. And, Nate calls me over, and I come over, and he hands me this silver dollar, and he says, I want you to have this. Now, I got to tell you, for a nine-year-old, a silver dollar is gold. For a 40-year-old, a silver dollar is gold. <laughs> and for those of us who might be just a tad older, a silver dollar is gold. And I received that into my heart because I want to have the generosity of nine-year-old Nate. Because you see, that is his heart. He is a generous boy. It's something that God has stirred within him. Because it wasn't just that moment where he expressed generosity to me, it is His heart for wholehearted generosity. Friends, here's the reality sin causes us to focus on ourselves, sin drives us to think first and foremost about ourselves, sin makes us make sure that we're getting everything we want and need in this world regardless of the needs of those around us, regardless of how God wants us to live. That is the pressure that sin puts upon us that is applauded by the world. Everything we see in our world pushes us in that direction. And then God says, I want you to live with a great gift that he calls wholehearted generosity, a gift that where we are living out the heart of God to be generous with our time, with our energy, to be generous with the things that we own, to be generous with our money. Generosity reflects the heart of God. If you're visiting with us this morning, we are in the midst of a series that where we are looking at our... our um, I'm sorry, that was me, that was me, I'm sorry. There we go. Whoop. I'm going to let you set me up because I'm all over here. Keep one more, I think. I did it again. Okay. I'm going to let you do it here. There we go. This is the value statement of Cross Point Church. These are the things that we value because these are things that we see in Scripture that reflect the heart of God, that reflect the way that Jesus lived. And if we are going to be his disciples, we need to live as Jesus lived. That's what a disciple does. A disciple models what is shown to them by their master, by their mentor. We are to live as Jesus lived. And what we see in the life of Jesus are these different things that we've looked at rooted in Scripture. Everything that we do the way that we live, everything is to be rooted in Scripture. We are to earnestly seek after God through prayer, through worship, through fasting, through practicing the spiritual uh, practices of Jesus, the spiritual disciplines of Jesus. We are to engage in what we call natural outreach, where we don't see any human relationship we have as something of chance or coincidence, but God brings people along our path. Here's why. Because you are the person that can reach them. You are the person that can encourage them in their journey toward Christ. And so we together, we together see every every relationship as an opportunity to encourage and empower and strengthen them to grow in their understanding of the life that God has called them to live. Last week, we talked about engaging relationships. We saw that God is a God of relationships, and he calls us to engage with him. He calls us to engage with one another, and the model of that is the Godhead himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, perfect unity, three persons, one God. This morning, we are talking about one of the most challenging of all the the values that we're talking about as a church. That's wholehearted generosity. How do we live with wholehearted generosity? And what is wholehearted generosity? Simply, it is where my heart engages, not for me, but for the ways that God wants to use me and the things that he has made me a steward of. I don't own anything, including my life, and neither do you. It all belongs to him. He has just made us stewards of what we have that we would share those things with a hurting world to reflect the heart of God. So this morning as we look at this, we're going to begin by looking at God himself and the generosity of God. Then we're going to look at what it means for us as disciples to reflect the heart of God, the generous heart of God and the relationships that we have. And then third, we're going to see the impact that it has on the world. Well, here's the first thing that I want you to see. As we move on, next week, we are going to be doing something called equipping, which is our next value as a church. And when we talk about equipping, we're talking about equipping people to live as God has called them to live, to serve as God has called them to serve. Now, to do that, we are going to not only have a sermon about it next week, but following that sermon, we are going to gather here, and we hope as many people as possible, for one hour, to go deeper in understanding what it means to be equipped for ministry. Now, as we do that, we would love for you to take a survey on our website, crosspointchino.org/backforward/slash/backslash/forward/slash, back because it looks forward, forward/slash/growth. We would love for you to take that survey it will help you to understand your unique shape as God has created you to change the world. And then as you gather here, you'll have an opportunity to share that together, to learn about how God has uniquely shaped you. Here's the first thing I want you to see, though, as we look at the heart of God. Jesus has given everything for us. Jesus has given everything everything for us. He did not withhold anything in his life in order to serve us. Jesus said, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Think about that for a moment. Here is God in human flesh. If God is the king of the universe, we would expect that he would command and demand that we would fall on our knees and worship him. Yes, but also serve him, that he would have no need that we would not gather around him and fulfill. No, that's not what Jesus said. He said, I came not to be served, but I came to serve you and to give my life as a ransom for many. I came to be the ultimate servant. Listen to what it says here in this great passage in Philippians chapter 2. This is a passage that begins with these words, in your relationships with one another, listen, hear this, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. So in your relationships, have the same mindset that Jesus had. So listen to this, listen to the giving nature of God. Who being Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Remember what we said about what's so hard about generosity is that we want our advantage. We want everybody serving us. We want everybody meeting our needs. We want everything to go our way. We want our children to do what we want them to do. We want our parents to do what we want them to do. We want our bosses to do what we want them to do. We want our church to do what we want. Us, what we, want. we want to be at the center of the universe. Jesus, listen to the heart of Jesus who being in very nature God, he is God in human flesh, did not consider equality with God to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient, even obedient to death on a cross. You see, Jesus served. He gave his life for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He gave his son that whoever shall believe in him will not perish but will have eternal life. God by his very nature is a God who gives. We see it in the coming of Jesus who allowed himself, chose in obedience to the Father to become like one of us limited by our human frailty he became one of us. He was fully God, but he came, became one of us. And he became, he did not use that to his advantage, being fully God. He served us. He gave. He served. He sacrificed. He loved. Friends, that is how the heart that we are to have. We are to reflect that heart of God. That's what Jesus said, and all of your relationships have the mindset Of Jesus Christ. We move on and we we see this. Jesus freely gave his time. He freely gave his energy. He freely gave his resources. Jesus gave. Jesus, when he died, did not have this big inheritance of money. He owns the world. But he didn't die with all this money that he gave to his mother Mary or his siblings. Jesus gave everything away. Listen to what it says here. This is a passage that I love in Mark 1 because it describes this incredibly busy day in the life of Jesus. You see, when we talk about generosity, yes, it has to do with money. Yes, it has to do with possessions, but it also has to do with our energy, with our time. You see, some of us, it's easy to give money and possessions. What's hard is to give our time and our energy. For some of you, it's easy to give time and energy. It's hard to give money and possessions. Where in, the, in, in, this, in this equation of generosity do you struggle? What's hard for you? Listen to Jesus. He's had this incredibly busy day already. And then we read this in verse 32 of Mark 1. That evening after sunset... Okay, after sunset means after the sun has already set. You may want to write that down. (laughs) After the sun has already set, that's when we're going to bed. That's when we're done with the day. Listen to what happens. The people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Jesus continued to minister. Now remember, he was fully human. He got tired like we get tired. He needed sleep like we need sleep. If you read through the Gospels, what you see in Jesus is something that is really a struggle for many of us. It's generosity with our time. What you see is time and again, Jesus is interrupted because there's something eternal that is going to happen. And Jesus doesn't see interruptions as an annoyance. He sees interruptions as an opportunity to display the glory of God and the generosity of God. Friends, I'm going to confess to you that I am a driven personality. I'm a type A personality. I live off to-do lists. And I struggle sometimes with interruptions because I think going from point A to point B, that is, doing all my to do's on my to do list, is what matters. And I think in, with that ma- mindset, I miss eternal opportunities that God has because I don't want to be interrupted. What happens when that child comes and you've got something on your agenda? What happens when that friend calls at night? And there's something else that you want for yourself. Maybe it's sleep. How do we respond to those situations? We are to be generous as Jesus is generous. And then in third, God delights in joyful, wholehearted generosity. God delights in it. Here is a passage that many of you will be familiar with. In Mark chapter 12, we read this. Jesus sat down and Office at the place where the offerings were put, watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, in everything, all she had to live on. It's a fascinating picture, isn't it? Jesus, for whatever reason, now we know, but at that time it must have been, nobody was really sure what he was doing, but he stood so that he could watch people put money in what we would call the offering basket, right? And he's watching this, and he sees these rich people put in all this money, and then he watches he watches this impoverished widow put in what amounts to just a couple of pennies. And Jesus celebrates her heart. You see, it's not about how much we put in. It's about our heart. This woman's life was marked by wholehearted generosity. And it brought joy to the heart of God. Isn't that beautiful? See, it's not about how much we give. No, it's about our hearts. Another, in another account, we see Jesus, we see Jesus call a man named Zacchaeus. And he said, Zacchaeus, I'm going, to, I'm going to come to your home today. I am going to eat at your home today, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus comes to him and he says, Lord, now Zacchaeus is a hated man in that culture. Zacchaeus is a tax collector, and here's what tax collectors would do. They were Jewish people who were, from the perspective of the people, were betraying the people to Rome. And what they would do is they would collect taxes from the people on behalf of the Roman government, and they had the power of the Roman government, the Roman soldiers behind them. So they would take not only what the people owed in taxes, but they would take more for themselves, and they could take as much as they wanted because they had the Roman Empire to support them. And here's what Zacchaeus says to Jesus. Lord, I will give half of all I have to the poor. And if I have wronged anyone, I will give them four times as much as I have taken. You see, he encountered Jesus. He encountered The generosity of God, that God would reach out, that God would extend mercy and grace to a man even like him, a man who was hated in Israel, a man who had very few friends. And when he encountered Jesus, his heart melted and he wanted to be generous. I give half of all I have to the poor, and he, was a wealth, he, would, he would have been a very wealthy man. I give half of all I have to the poor, and if I have wronged anyone, I'll give them four times as much as I have taken. This is what happens when we encounter Jesus. He transforms us. He, we become generous because he is a generous God, and we want to reflect his heart. So what does it mean for us as disciples? I want to share with you a few things here, and I want you to see these things with me this morning, and I want you to know something, if you don't know this about me, I'm not preaching at you, I'm preaching at me. I struggle with all these things that you struggle with. As I go through this series, I need to be challenged, I need to be inspired, I need to be encouraged as well. So I'm in this journey with you. Listen to the first thing we see. The expectation of Jesus is that we would give generously without fanfare. We would give generously time, energy, money, and possessions without fanfare. Listen to what we read here. We see that Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount So when you give to the needy, now listen, if you have your own Bible, if you have a Bible, just underline those words. So when you give to the needy, Notice what Jesus did not say. If you give to the needy. Now, he's assuming we are giving. He's assuming that we are being generous with people in need. So he says, when you give to the needy, the assumption of Jesus is that we will live as generous people. The assumption of Jesus is that we will reflect the heart of God and we will be generous in our lives. So he says when you give to the needy, he says, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. And that's what people would do. Hey, everybody, look what I'm giving. Look how generous I am. Do you see this? Look at the size of this check. And it's not even going to bounce when it, goes, when it goes in. And they throw their money in. They would literally announce it with trumpets. Jesus says, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do it with fanfare, because this is between you and me. Jesus goes on to say, when you do that, you've already received your reward by the applause of the people. That's your reward. What you don't receive is the heavenly reward that we long for. It's an incredibly powerful picture. Here's a second thing that I want you to see, and that is wholehearted generosity principles. I had about 10 of these and I think I ended up with just giving you three, but I loved this. This is an area that I've done a lot of study in because, friends, this is one of those areas in my life that I struggled as I was growing in my faith. This was the area that I struggled with most in my life as I was growing as a Christian. As I've shared with you, my wife Beth helped me to grow in this area of my life. But it has been a challenge. And so I, I have, over the years, I have learned how joyful it is to give. And I want to share with you these challenges, these principles that I have learned. Here's the first one. Beware of the temptation to hoard. The question is, when is enough enough? Enough think about hoarding. Now, there are hoarders, and I've known hoarders in my life as a pastor, people who struggle with hoarding as a disease. But hoarding, I think as Americans, we all do. We all are challenged with hoarding. We don't want to give away things. We don't want to give up things. We want to hold on to those things. Now, ultimately, why is that? Now, sometimes there can be Uh, The the reason could be that um, they bring back memories and things like that, and that's, that's great. But I think a lot of times, here's the problem. Bottom line, we don't believe that God can be trusted. Bottom line, we don't believe that God can really provide for us. Bottom line, we believe it's up to me to make sure that I have enough. So the first thing I do is take care of me. And if there's any left over that I, can, that I can do without, well, then I'll be generous. But that's not what God says. Throughout the Old Testament, we would, the people were called to give the first tenth of what they received, the first ten percent. Jesus takes it to an even deeper standard. When is enough enough? I want to say to you that for most of us sitting here this morning, most of us hearing online this morning, If you don't believe right now that you have enough, you will never believe you have enough. You will never have enough. Because the problem isn't what you have. The problem is your perspective, how you see God. The perspective, the problem, is your understanding of who God is. That's the problem. I had a friend who was... um, a multimillionaire, I think he was worth about $10 million. He was 70 years old, and he was still working, getting money, and, but he didn't really enjoy it anymore, and I said, well, why are you still working? Why don't you go do something else? You can invest in the kingdom of God. You've got time. You've got resources. You can do this. And the man responded to me. He said, I can't retire because I don't have enough. And I said, if you don't have enough, nobody can retire. You see, the problem wasn't the size of his bank account. The problem was how he saw God. God can't provide for me. I provide for myself. The Bible says your wealth was given to you by God. He entrusted it to you. You are a steward of what you had have. You don't own what you have. You are a steward of what you have, and we will be held accountable for how we steward what God has entrusted to us. Listen to what it says in this passage. This is an incredible passage where there is a um, conversation that, that Jesus is having with a man who has come to him, and the man is upset because his brother won't share the family inheritance. Sound familiar? The brother won't share the family inheritance. And so he wants Jesus to get involved in this mess. He wants Jesus to tell his brother to be, to share. And listen to what Jesus says. But God said to him, and Jesus tells the story, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? That is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Are you rich toward God? Or are you rich in the world? Which do you really wanna be? Friends, I have to remind myself each and every day I wanna be rich toward God. Last week uh, we had a team that we sent down to Mexico and this team went down and they built a home they had built most of the home here, but they put it together down in Mexico for a family that really had nothing. They were living in a very dangerous uh, house that had been burned, and, and, and thanks to the generosity of this church and, and people that went down, my wife was one of them, and she sent a, an amazing text to our family. I want to read it to you because it so struck my heart. The poverty here is unreal, but the people are so joyful and are so grateful, brings perspective, doesn't it? Because you see, we're taught that we can't be joyful apart from money. We can't be joyful and grateful unless we have a lot of stuff. But yes, we can. We read on and we see wholehearted second one, Decide who will be your master. Who's going to be your master? We read, no one can serve two masters. Either You will hate the one and love the other. You'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Why? Because the values of money are often different than the values of God. And if God is calling me to be generous and I love money, being generous is hard or impossible. Here's... The third one I want you to see. Understand the upside-down nature of the kingdom of God. You see, the kingdom of God is upside down from our human perspective. Listen to this. I want to tell you that being rich toward God is more than being rich in this world. I want to tell you, the Bible says, being rich toward God is better than having lots of energy and lots of time to do what you want for yourself. Being rich toward God is the greatest joy you will ever know. That's upside down thinking, isn't it? Because here's the reality. When I give money or I give a possession, I have less than I had before, right? When I spend my energy or my time, I have less energy, less time for the things I want for me. That's just the reality. I give money, it doesn't mean I'm going to get back more money. That's not biblical teaching, if you've heard that. It's not biblical teaching. But what you receive back from God is far greater than anything you could ever invest because you cannot outgive God. It's impossible. It's impossible. Understand the upside-down nature of the kingdom of God. I love this, this passage. Remember this, Jesus said, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Now, this is an agriculture picture. I want you, I want you to imagine that I've got a, a bag of seeds and I want to plant these seeds. So, I go in there and I take one little seed and I drop it here. And I go over here and I take one little seed and I drop it here. That's sowing seed sparingly. Now, there's another way to do it which is the way I tend to do it when I'm, because I'm, um, when I'm planting something like grass, saw, uh, not sod, seed, I take handfuls. Whoosh, 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 I just throw all that seed out there. I'm generous with the seed because I want to have, have the fruit of that seed. So here's what Jesus says. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. What you get from what you sow won't be much. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly, not out of guilt, not out of compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, wholehearted generosity. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Not all that you want, But all that you need, you will abound in every, every good work. Friends, I want to share with you, I just spent some time thinking about what generosity has done for me in my life. And I want you to hear about this, because here's what I believe to the core of my being. Generosity, we at Crosspoint, generosity is not what we want from you. It's not what we want from you. It's what we want for you. Because we believe that through generosity, living as God has called us to live, reflecting the heart of God, that God sets us free, that God blesses us in ways we could never imagine. Now, it may not be money. As the people in Mexico, where our friends were ministering last weekend, they didn't have a lot of money, but they had joy. They had peace. Listen to what being generous does for us. It makes us more free because I learn that God can be trusted to provide. If I have a billion dollars, I don't have to depend on God. But if I'm generous and I'm giving, I learn to depend upon the Lord. And I, re- I learn that he can be trusted. Do you Im- can you imagine what a powerful life lesson that is? you're more free because spiritually i'm uh, i'm more free because spiritually i'm making god my first priority i'm living first for god not for money i'm serving god not money i'm more free because materialism doesn't grip my heart my identity isn't in what i own or what i have it's in him in him alone i i can be a, i'm a wise investor as it says in the sermon on the mount i'm a wise investor in matthew 6 because I'm not building up for myself treasures on earth, but treasures in heaven that await me. When I am generous, reflecting the heart of God, those treasures go to heaven, and they await me. Now, I don't know what all that means, but this I know, that's a better investment than giving myself to everything in this world than taking nothing, of it, nothing with me. I'm not taking anything with me, and neither are you. Be wise because we're investing in the lord's eternal work in this world i get to see god do through the things that i give i get to see god do what only he can do and be a wise investor because it grows my faith friends i can't i got to tell you and you won't learn this until you try it i got to tell you i have grown so much because of generosity i have been blessed far more than i have ever given generosity is not what we want from you, it's what we want for you. Finally, I just want to say wholehearted generosity changes the world. The world notices. The world notices. The giving of the Christian church has had an incredible impact on the world. I can't, I don't have time this morning to describe some of the different statistics and things that I have, but it's made a huge impact on our world because it's so countercultural. People say, why would, you, why would you do that? Because it's God, it's the nature of God. So, friends, here's my challenge to each of us. And you're going to have a challenge later this morning, but here's my challenge to you. My challenge is that you would take a step. Maybe your area is, you know, I'm really generous with finances and possessions, but I really struggle with, with sharing my time and my energy. I just don't want to invest my energy and time in things. Maybe that's where you need to take a step this week. For some of you, maybe you've never given. You've never given. And take a step this week. What can, what can you begin to give? To invest somewhere. To live out the generous heart of God. If you're a person who gives sporadically, maybe you begin to give weekly. If you're a person who, who gives a, a percentage of what, you, of what you have, maybe you increase that and just see what God does. But look at your heart. Are you a generous, wholehearted giver of your life? Is there room to grow? Then grow. Will you pray with me? Our Father, we thank you for, for the truth of your word. God, it, it just, every time I, I, I think about these things, it, it challenges me because I, I realize even as much as I've grown in this area in my life, there's still more to go. Lord, I confess that I can often let my heart be more about things than about you. And rather than Using things to love people, I can use people to get things. Jesus, forgive us for that. Help us to have a heart that invests in eternity. That really is an eternal investment. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. (laughs)